first down, they hand off to Marlon Mack. Huge hole, 50-yard line. He's at the 40, still going near sideline. He's at the 10, he's at the 5, and he will score. Touchdown, Marlon Mack. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. Leonard with a second INT. And he's streaking down the near sideline. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. He's going to go. A pick six for the Maniac. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. What is going on, Colts Nation? And welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. And boy, talk about a stinker of a game. The, the Colts really struggle in this game as they fall to the Cleveland Browns, fall to two and two by a score 32 to 23. Uh, just not a great game. It, it kind of was a weird game, Andrew. Um, and Andrew Thompson joining me. Andrew, it was just a very frustrating game. I know uh, my friend Jacob and I were streaming the game and we were just mentally exhausted. It was just kind of that back and forth type of game where, you know, the Colts seem out of it and they seem back in it. And then ultimately they're out of it and they lose the game. Uh, initial thoughts before we go into this breakdown, because, I mean, we were talking off air. I think we got a lot of things to say about this game, and I know it's still early on, but there's a lot of things that need to happen and a lot of things that need to change, we feel like. Well, you certainly hit it on the head there, Cody, uh, starting with the offense. Look, I wrote a piece for Stampede Blue last week uh, discussing the Colts' offensive woes, the problems that they had, the lack of um, explosive plays down the field, stretching the field vertically, uh, the lack of of averaging more than what was it 3.8 yards to carry in the running game the lack of red zone efficiency all of those things uh, were a major concern within their three game uh, winning streak and it certainly showed up again yesterday not having anthony costanzo against miles garrett who is arguably the best pass rusher at this point uh, in the nfl in terms of uh, putting up uh, impressive numbers i think he has five or six sacks through through five games he's been extremely impressive and he certainly showed up in yesterday's game um, you know, for me, the, like I said, the offense is, is it's bad. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, there's no other way to put it. It's just, it's bad. The running game is average. It's not nearly as efficient as it has been in years past, especially last year. And the Colts seem to be having the same issue, uh, offensively that they had last year where the offense isn't producing enough numbers again, due to injuries at the receiving core, even though they're, they're in a better position this year than they were last year to handle that. Uh, it still seems that they're just they're not producing, and then of course the turnovers from Philip Rivers. I mean, you're not going to win very many football games throwing it to the other team multiple times a game. One of which uh, goes for a touchdown. At, uh, I'm referencing the pick six there. I mean, it was just all around offensively, just a complete, I mean, collapse, and it, just a disgusting performance offensively altogether. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't have said it better. Disgusting performance throughout you know at the, at the first half you're kind of like okay maybe this offense found its footing we knew the browns coming in didn't have a great pass defense and then boy after that second half this offense just literally you know they we, we set it off air this offense was so bad that they actually gave the brown more points than the colts defense let up in the second half now credit the colts defense and we'll get into that in a minute but boy, Phillip Rivers, not good. Not good by any stretch of the imagination. Colts continue to struggle in the red zone. Rivers throws two picks, one of which was just completely, I, I would say both of them are just like, dude, what are you looking at? What are you doing? Like just those kind of interceptions where you're like, just throw the ball away. Like don't force that. And it was just unbelievable. Phillip Rivers finishes with a 60.5 quarterback rating. 
I mean, so yeah, Andrew, you know, just looking at this quarterback situation, it is, it's just not good. And we even talked about it off air, man. Like Frank Reich was even talking in his press conference, how he, he made the comment that he's not concerned with Phillip rivers. He felt like he's the least of his worries. He played well. And we're just kind of like, dude, are you blind? Like what kind of game are you watching? Did you watch Phillip rivers play? I mean, he did some decent things, but overall it was absolutely atrocious. I'm just at the point where I'm like, Frank, seriously, acknowledge that Rivers didn't have a good game. I know you love Phillip Rivers, but honestly, and I want to get your thoughts on this. I feel like it gives me Adam Vinatieri vibes. And I'm not going to go there yet because it's only been a couple games into the season. And it hasn't been that bad. But it seems like Reich, when he has these you know, veteran players that he loves, he struggles between, okay, I love, you know, I love this guy personally and what he's doing on the field. And Frank Reich... Right now, it just doesn't appear like he's managing it the best that he should as a coach. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm with you. I think listening to Frank Reich's press conference yesterday, I thought to myself, you can't be watching the same game as I am, Frank, or as as we are. I mean, Rivers was 8 of 11, I believe, for 110 yards, I think, if my memory serves me correctly, somewhere around there. Played pretty well, was efficient, had three drives, two of which ended in a, a touchdown and a field goal. Fairly efficient. Uh, I really loved the play design on that fourth and goal to start the game mm-hmm. um, to, to Jonathan Taylor and using T.Y. Hilton as sort of a, a distraction, motioning him across the formation. Um, but after that, to start the second half, I mean, think about this, Cody. The Colts are down 20 to 10 to start the second half, and it's third and four, I think. And, I mean, with as well as their defense had played that entire second half, Philip, you can't. You can't make that kind of a mistake. They had T.Y. Hilton. I think it was some sort of a, of a drag route or just a, a crossing a crossing route of some sort where he was just coming across the field. And he maybe was open towards the end. Uh, and Rivers had a pretty good protection on that play. I don't think the pocket necessarily right. collapsed as quickly as it had been uh, during previous drives. And you, he threw that way too late. You can't throw that. You can't throw that. The corner didn't even really have to do anything. Uh, he, Mitchell, I think his last name is, he yeah. he sort of just sat on it. And as soon as Rivers threw the ball, he just said, I'll take that. Thank you. Um, you know, and, and obviously, you know, the rest is, is history. And in this case, it turned out to be seven points for the other team. And I just, you can't, you can't put your team in a situation where you're having to, to climb out of, you know, 14 plus point deficits. This offense, especially with the amount of injuries at running back and at receiver and now at offensive line, you can't put them in a position where they have to, like I said, where they have to come back from, from 14 plus points down. And I don't think they're structurally built on offense. Like I said, especially with the injuries to make that kind of a comeback. We, we don't, we haven't seen it. I mean, I, there's no evidence, at least in, in my opinion, that has shown that this offense is capable of doing just that. And so for me, I, it, it just, as I said earlier, it's it was a, a just an atrocious performance, primarily from Rivers. And I think we'll get into this a little bit later. But in my opinion, I blame him more than I blame the defense or Frank Reich's play calling um, or that challenge he he had mid-second quarter, I think, uh, which I thought was kind of a, a really odd uh, play to challenge considering it, it's a 25-yard gain. You sort of wipe your hands clean and say, okay, on to the next down instead of challenging. Uh, and challenging that kind of a play. I don't think it was third down, so I don't think it would have resulted in a, a potential punt or anything like that. Uh, so that was certainly odd, but I, I'm totally with you, Cody. Just complete 
uh, an utter dis- dismay uh, for this Colts offense during yeah. this game. And I'm going to call out Frank Reich again. You've preached accountability from day one. Ballard has preached it. You've preached it. Okay, let's look at it and say Rivers didn't have a good game. You know, and regardless of if you think you need to make a quarterback change, right now I'm not going to go there. I think the Colts should certainly consider it. Um, but, you know, you could, I just want them to admit, okay, you know, when players aren't doing well, no matter how good of a pedigree they've had in the past, right, no matter what their history is, just say it. It wasn't a good game and move on. Like, I don't get what's so hard about that. It's it's not so much, and I get it, like people are saying, well, what what is Frank Wright going to say in that situation? He's not going to throw his guy under the bus. Yeah, I get that. But at the same time, you can acknowledge it wasn't a good game, and you could say we're going to work on it, we're going to get better. I'm fine with that. It's almost pandering to the fans in a way where you're basically saying you're saying things that we know aren't true. It's like, why are you lying right to our face, Frank? And I think that's the thing that frustrates fans the most, and I totally get that. When they heard that and I, and I saw the tweet, I tweeted out and said, he, he did not play a good game. I don't know what Frank Reich's seen. And also, you know, you talked about the play calling a little bit. You know, I know that Philip Rivers had some plays that weren't great. Like, I'm not going to uh, defend Philip Rivers in any way, but there was some questionable play calling by Frank Reich. I feel like, especially in that second half. You think when you're when you get punted, you you, you get it punted to you within the five yard line. I was baffled that the Colts decided play action was the best route when you're down in the end zone uh, and you're running the ball effectively at that point. Jonathan Taylor, we'll get it to it in a minute. He's averaging almost five yards a carry in that game. I was just very baffled with some of the play calling. And it seems like this happens about once or twice every single game where you kind of scratch your head a little bit and you're like, what is Frank Reich thinking? He's an offensive genius. Like we think he's an offensive genius. He certainly, like you you said early in the game, schemed up that run for a touchdown really great. And then he just has some very questionable calls where you're like, Frank, that was a a dumb decision, frankly, Uh, no pun intended, but I just don't get it sometimes uh, with Frank Reich's play calling. Um, it's really weird. It's kind of hot and cold sometimes. And and he's talked about, you know, with the running back situation when Marlon Mack was healthy, saying we're gonna ride, we're gonna ride the hot hand. Well, you were running the ball really effectively in the second half, and you kind of went away from it. You think about that last drive the Colts had where they ultimately had to settle for three points. The Colts threw it every single time. They didn't pass it once. And so just things like that really confuse me and make me scratch my head at Frank Reich and his play calling. And honestly, I think it's fair to like question a little bit, like, can we trust Frank Reich's play calling sometimes? Like, I know he's a, I I don't want to like throw him out because he's leagues better than, you know, the previous regime. Like, I'm not even going to like sugarcoat that, but there are some questions. And I honestly think there are some concerns about this. I I really do. What are your thoughts on that, Andrew? I'm with you, Cody. I, I, I saw the the play call um, or, or saw the same thing everybody else did rather with that being the play action. (laughs) <laughs> inside the five yard line and I chuckle a little bit and it's not really funny, but it kind of is. I, I mean, think about this, Cody, Philip Rivers of all 31 other quarterbacks in the NFL is probably the least mobile. I, right. I can make an argument that Tom Brady is faster than Philip Rivers. Okay. Or, or who else? I don't know. Joe Flacco. I mean, let, let's just be real here. You're inside the five yard line. You have expressed, as you mentioned, Cody, riding the hot hand, Jonathan Taylor is averaging over five yards carry. And you run play action. And when asked about, you know, what kind of play call that was or, or what made you decide to call that play, you, of course, and I'm, I'm re- referencing Frank Reich's answer here uh, in, in yesterday's press conference, he, he said that he takes blame for that, uh, for that call and that the back, who was Jonathan Taylor, thought it was a blitz. And so he thought he's going to have to pick up the, the free blitzer. 
uh, which kind of causes confusion. And that's sort of why he leaked out later than I guess he was supposed to. Um, and then Jack Doyle, of course, was coming across the field and then he came back and Philip Rivers said, well, I was, that's where I was aiming the ball was Jack and Jack was supposedly coming back because he saw that I had to kind of step up uh, or out, outside of the pressure there from Miles Garrett. But even still, why put your team in that kind of a position? I'm with you, Cody. That that to me is extre- that that play call is questionable. I, and yeah. it's 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 not it's not smart football. Frank no. Reich, with as with as great of a play caller as he is, with as you said, Cody, as tremendous of a play designer as both he and Nick Sirianni are, you should know better. I mean, you don't have Andrew Locke back there anymore. And I'm sorry if, like, you know, Colts fans don't like me mentioning Locke, obviously. But, you know, dang it, he's not here. He's not there. He's not, you know. And when Locke was there, if you ran that play action, Locke could move and get outside the pocket and extend the play with his feet. Philip Rivers cannot do that. I mean, and it's just, it's head-scratching. It's it's to a degree, it's mind-boggling. And, you know, Frank Wright took the blame for that. Philip Rivers, you know, he said um you know like i mentioned with jonathan taylor not leaking out because he thought it was a blitz and then jack doyle as i mentioned coming back philip rivers mentioned those things as well i just think it's i wouldn't go as far as to say it's a concern right now cody but if this offense can't find a way to get more creative and frank reich can't find a way to prevent just one or two times a game those just really head scratching kind of play calls because the competition only gets tougher, right? And I'm sure this is something we'll, we'll mention here soon, but you, you face teams like Baltimore and, and uh, Pittsburgh and Green Bay, and those are some of the best defenses in football right now. And you cannot put your team in a position to give the other team points. I mean, and that's what ultimately happened. Phillip Rivers, because he threw the ball away, Gave the Cleveland Browns two free points. Now, you, I mean, you could maybe make an argument that it wasn't the right call and that Jack Lowe was coming back or that the, the back, Jonathan Taylor, should have leaked out sooner or that he was there in time and he was in the, the vicinity of the throw. But at the end of the day, they called it a safety. And when you're running the ball as, as, as well as you are, pardon me, you don't make that kind of a play, play call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just some baffling things. I mean, we saw this a little bit, honestly, Andrew, in Frank Reich's rookie season. And I just kind of gave him a little bit of grace. Like he's a rookie coach. He's going to learn. He's going to adjust. But this is concerning to me. There are certain things when Frank Reich, even there's things we say they need to exploit. This team isn't good at that. Reich just doesn't do for some reason. And it's very frustrating as a fan. You know, we and we'll talk about it here. Didn't use the tight ends outside of Trey Burton. Think about it. Trey Burton, five catches on six targets for 33 yards. You want to know the other stats on the other two tight ends, Jack Doyle and Mo Ali Cox? It's 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 crazy. Three targets, no catches for both of those tight ends. So Mo Ali Cox, who's having a breakout year, is targeted one time in this game. That is unacceptable. Completely unacceptable. I'm not I'm not holding any punches here. Frank Reich, you gotta be better. Well, not only that, Cody, but I mean Look, as you mentioned in years past with Frank Reich's rookie season and for the last two or three years, his offense has primarily been successful when he uses the tight ends. And I obviously they had 
Ebron at one point, who was obviously more of a, of a speed threat or a vertical threat down the field than maybe you could argue Molly Cox or Jack Doyle are. But even still, we've seen the amount of success this offense can have when the tight ends are used appropriately and when they're used efficiently, pardon me, and when they're targeted more than just three times between between Jack Doyle and Molly Cox, three targets, no catches. By the way, you know, just a fun fact, the one target that Mo Ali, Mo Ali Cox did have turned out to be an interception because Philip Rivers saw, I don't even know what, and yeah. it, it's it's just... And then, and then Jack Doyle was the other interception. So, yeah, it's it, yeah. it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just, it's inexcusable. Like you said, Cody, just to piggyback off of, of what you said, Frank Reich has to know better. He has to be smarter in those situations. And... That's the bottom line, as does Philip Rivers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's telling, like I said earlier, when you're you're literally your offense is scoring more points for Cleveland in the second half than your defense is allowing. Like, think about it though, Andrew. So those nine points that the Colts basically handed the Browns, gift wrapped the Browns, if those don't happen, if you punt it in those situations, even if you don't score, the game is tied at that point. Those are the that is the difference right there between wins and losses and good head coaches and bad head coaches. And I'm not saying Frank Reich's a bad head coach, but he's simply got to be better. That is completely inexcusable at this point. This is now what year three of Frank Reich. Outside of Andrew Luck, what has his offense proven? Like completely honestly, let's talk about it in the passing game specifically. The offense has been bad in terms of passing the football. It really has. Yeah, it hasn't been great, um, you know, uh, obviously. And it's just been – it's it's one of those things where you look back at last season and you compare it to this season, and really the only difference is turnovers. Phillip Rivers, just to take a, a quote from from a, another fellow podcaster, Kevin Bowen, if you guys don't follow him on Twitter, be sure to do so. He he creates uh, some tr- some tremendous content as well. I know, Cody, you, we've had Kevin on the podcast several times, yeah. a good friend of ours. He said that Phillip Rivers – was brought in to be more fundamentally sound than Jacoby Brissett and to take more shots down the field. And obviously when you take more shots down the field, that's going to create more turnovers. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, the Colts knew what they were getting at Phillip Rivers. He had 20 interceptions last season. And I went back and I reviewed all 20 of those. And I'd say about maybe a little more than half, 10 to 12 were his fault, just off of really bad, stupid reads. But that was because he wasn't getting protection. The Colts, I think, are second or third in the NFL right now in sacks allowed. For the most part, the protection has been phenomenal uh, in the passing game. So there is just no excuse for those boneheaded mistakes that Rivers is making. And uh, And as you said earlier, Cody, he's costing the Colts. Think about it. They're three and two. And both their losses, Rivers has two interceptions. Yep. Off of stupid boneheaded mistakes that you just kind of, you kind of, you you look at it, you think, what was that? You know, what, what are you looking at? Like, it's, 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 I mean, the Colts knew when they brought in Phillip Rivers that it was a high risk, high reward move. It's high risk because you know the kind of player he is. You know that there are times where he can be reckless with the football. And but you also know that he's going to take shots that Jacoby Brissett didn't take. And, uh, you know, this is something else that I I don't want to just take it and use it as my own because Kevin mentioned this earlier in his podcast. And it's a great point. Philip Rivers is going to take shots that Jacoby Brissett never took last season. Jacoby Brissett was primarily middle of the pack in yards uh, and pass passing yards per play. He never really took the deep shot down the field. The only time I can even recall uh, that happening 
with Brissett was during the Tampa game, that, that long pass to Marcus Johnson before halftime, and then I think the long pass uh, passing touchdown to Marcus Johnson during that game as well. That's the only memory that comes to mind in the last year of Jacoby Brissett taking the deep shots. So when you when you say to your organization or when you say to your fan base that your quarterback play wasn't good enough, so much so that you go out and, 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 and hand over $25 million to a quarterback that not only you feel has not lost any momentum or hasn't lost a step in terms of his productivity and success in the NFL, but in terms of who the player is. Because remember, Cody, Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni coached Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers, for the most part, knows this offense. I'm sure there's probably some tweaks and other things that they've changed. But for the most part, he knows this offense really, really well. So the fact that you know the offense, you know the head coach, you know the offensive coordinator, you have decent personnel, you have the best offensive line that you've had in 20 years, and you're still making mistakes as if you're a rookie uh, and still causing your team to lose the game off of, off of your blunders, it's just – it's. It's ridiculous, and honestly, Cody, if the Colts want to be considered true contenders, the offense has to step it up because the defense isn't the problem, and it hasn't been the last month, and the offense has to find a way to get more creative, and they have to find a way to play complementary football. That's the bottom line. Yeah, it has definitely been one-sided so far. It feels like the the Colts' defense is dragging this corpse of an offense along with it, and it's just so weird. Like, none of us anticipated this. Some people would say they did, but, like, the people who follow the team day in and day out based off of what the Colts were saying. I mean, it's just, it's just baffling, man. Just, just to see the lack of, like you said, you bring Phillip rivers in. I mean, last year he was sixth in terms of passing yards. So you think, okay, our vertical offense is going to get better, but it's just like everything has not worked so far. It's, it's just been crazy to me to just see how rough it's been for this passing offense, you know? And honestly, I'm at the point, Andrew, where I'm not ready to pull the trigger and, you know, a bench. I'm not going to go there. I'm not ready to bench Phillip Rivers, but I'm kind of just like at this point, with how bad your offense is playing, if this trend continues into the season, why don't you look at potentially Jacob Eason or or one of these guys, you know, and, and get them some reps? I mean, it can't be any worse at this point. I mean, I know it's still early, so I'm not ready to go there yet. But like, honestly, I think that that is something that should be considered. I don't think she should just scoff at it and be like, that's so ridiculous. Like, honestly. Think about it. Like Jacob Eason, I know we said ideally he doesn't see a snap this year. Well, ideally, Phillip Rivers has a pretty decent year. That's not going as planned right right now. So maybe you do consider that. I don't know. Uh, so that'll be interesting, something to monitor. But right now, it's just been rough. I mean, you know it's rough when your quarterback has more interceptions and touchdowns at this point. It just has not been a great start for Rivers and company here through five weeks. So let's move on to the defense, though. I mean, you talked about this defense being the strength right now. Uh, boy, that first half was not a strength at all. Uh, the Colts allowed 20 points to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Baker Mayfield, only I think it was only two passes that were incomplete in that, in that first half. Uh, Baker Mayfield was essentially having his way with this defense early on. Now, the Colts defense really, uh, I would say, stepped it up in terms of stopping the, the, the pass in the second half. Uh, you know, Mayfield, at, at the end of the day, he he has 200, almost 250 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, quarterback graded in 72.7. So, I mean, and this defense only allows three points through the entire second half. I know um, it shows more, but we talked about the offense essentially gave Cleveland nine points. Uh, but this defense, I thought, made some nice adjustments. It was a really rough first half for them. Was not pleased with that performance. Obviously, something changed in that locker room. I thought they did a pretty good job at stopping the run as well. Kareem Hunt, he had 72 yards, but 
Uh, I felt like the Colts did a pretty good job uh, beyond that last kind of breakout run he had in the fourth quarter. thought they did a pretty good job containing him all game. And really this Browns running game that was coming in red hot. I mean, really 200-plus yards a game. Uh, and the Colts don't allow a 100-yard rusher. I thought that was really good by them. Uh, overall, Andrew, what was your impression of this Colts defense here, first half and then transitioning to the second half? Well, for me, Cody, the first half was sort of a pick-your-poison kind of situation in terms of how – you know, lackluster the offense was in terms of productivity in the red zone, in terms of running the ball efficiently. And then you have the defense, like you said, Baker Mayfield was essentially having his way with. I mean, there was no pressure from that four-man rush. Diego Autry, DeForest Buckner, Justin Houston, Akwadi Muhammad, uh, Ben Banigou. There there was no pressure. Uh, and so when you give Baker Mayfield, when you give really any NFL quarterback that amount of time, and you play that, that drop-back Tampa 2 zone-based defense, they're going to pick you apart, and they're going to pick you apart, especially when they have the the kind of offensive weapons that the Cleveland Browns have, the Odo Beckham Juniors, the Jarvis Landrys, the Austin Hoopers, the David Njokus of the world. And, I mean, kudos to them and, and Kevin Stefanski. They outplayed the Colts' defense in the first half. And in regards to the second half, I'm just going to read this. This is a tweet from, from Zach Kiefer, one of the Colts' beat reporters. Uh, the Colts on Sunday, defensively in the second half, you ready for this? held Baker Mayfield to two completions for 19 yards after halftime. <laughs> they picked him off twice. They got a touchdown off of uh, special teams, and they still managed to lose by nine. Thank you, Phillip Rivers. Um, but no, defensively, it's just, it's never been the problem, and especially not the la these last four weeks. The first half to me was kind of like, oh boy, this is Jacksonville all over again. The Colts don't know who their assignments are. They look confused. Why you have Anthony Walker guarding Odell Beckham Jr. on that fourth and one towards the beginning of the, the first quarter is beyond me. That's obviously a blown assignment or a blown coverage somewhere. Somebody didn't do their job right. And it obviously resulted in a first down. But for me, the defense, you know, not to sound repetitive, uh, it's never been the problem, especially not through these last four weeks. You hold a, an offense that, as you mentioned, Cody, was having their way with you in the first half. You come out and you essentially shut them out other than those three points that you let up at the end of the game. Yeah. You hold them to less than three yards per rush. You're dominant in all phases. You create turnovers. The Colts are first in the NFL in turnovers produced with nine. Nine turnovers. You had two yesterday, and you still found a way to lose by nine points. You still found a way to not get the job done. And, and quite honestly, Cody, that's a slap in the face to the defense, and as well as they're playing in Matt Eberflus in this unit, and at the end of the day, the defense, as great as it is, as great as it has been, it's not going to carry this team to where they want to go. And it can't continue to carry this team against better offenses uh, in the NFL, like I mentioned earlier with the Ravens and the Packers and so on and so forth. You have to find a way to play complementary football. This Colts defense is in desperate need of help from the offense. They are. Yeah. And, you know, we I've said it before on this podcast and it is different people like as good as this defense is playing, you're going to play, like you said, some better offenses. You can't rely on your defense to hold teams to 11 points every game. Like that's just not reality against some of these elite of the elite type of offenses. Your offense has to step up and they have to help you. And they and, you know, they struggle again in the red zone. And and I think the thing that was frustrating the first half of this defense, yeah, they allowed some big plays. And I was just like, okay, there's just some incredible catches by Jarvis Landry, uh, you know, Austin Hooper, all, you know, those kind of catches. And I get that. I think the most frustrating thing in the first half was just 
third down, not getting off the field on third down. And you mentioned it. I think it was due to the lack of pressure from this defensive line. I'm curious why you think this defensive line, they have certain games where they're when they're on, they're on. And then they have other games where they kind of just go cold and they don't really provide a ton of pressure. And we saw it last week, especially in that first half. Baker Mayfield had all the time in the world to pick apart this defense. And that's how this defense is built, man. Like, if you can't get pressure on the quarterback, you're going to struggle. And he's going to be able – good quarterbacks are going to be able to pick you apart. Um, but, you know, credit this defense, though. Like you said, they really stepped it up. I thought they answered the call after kind of an embarrassing first half, quite honestly. Uh, it, it is amazing. I, You know, when it was like fourth quarter and the Colts were down by – I think it was six at that point still. I was like, how are the Colts still in this game? Like, this offense has been so bad, but it was because of the defense. The defense kept them in that game. And that's the thing that was so frustrating about last year. It felt like the Colts had such a well-rounded roster outside of their, you know, passing attack. And it was just really confusing. Like, man, if we could just have a little bit better quarterback play, if we could just be more efficient, we would be a playoff contender. I mean, that's why, obviously, you mentioned Andrew Luck. That's why that, that loss hurts so much. It's like we finally have a team around him. And now we're struggling in the in the in the position that we need the most, the quarterback position, and the struggles are continuing, and it's just very frustrating at this point uh, that that seems like these things aren't being being fixed here. Five weeks into the season, this passing offense is still a liability. Uh, just this offense in general has not been good. So uh, I'm really uh, hoping that they get it figured out. I'm not really holding my breath because it's been five weeks now. Let's face it, uh, and they still continue to struggle, but. Uh, we'll see what happens in this. And the last we'll talk about is the special teams. I thought they played phenomenal once again. I think easily the Colts have one of the best special teams units in the league. I mean, Rodrigo Blankenship was perfect on the day and field goals and extra points. Uh, Rigoberto Sanchez was also good. The thing I love about Rigoberto Sanchez is on his kickoffs, he rarely kicks it into the end zone, which forces teams to take it out, and the Colts can pin them beyond the 20-yard line. And I just love that about Rigoberto Sanchez. I mean, he doesn't get enough love. Uh, from Colts fans, but Rigoberto Sanchez, I would say, is one of the best punters in the league, no doubt. I would have to agree with that, Cody. If if my memory serves me correctly, I think it was last week against the Chicago Bears was the first time Sanchez has had a punt that resulted in a touchback in almost two years. Yeah, I mean, like that. Pat McAfee was an exceptional punter. We we know how good he was, and then here comes uh, you know an unproven guy in in Sanchez, and we think, okay, you know, maybe he has a chance to to be his successor and, and we'll see how he does. Well, he certainly filled his shoes and then some uh, he's I, honestly, you, you could make an argument. I, you know, I, you'd have to go back and probably look at the stats, but you can make an argument that Sanchez has been better uh, in his first, yeah. what was it? Two or three years than, than uh, Pat McAfee was. And like you said, he doesn't get enough credit, but I agree. The Colts special teams yesterday, you just get done throwing a pick six. It's mid third quarter. You're down 27 to 10. And you've pretty much the entire air has been essentially sucked out of that Colts offense. There, you're you're trying to, you know, find a way to crawl back into the game, if you will. And here comes Isaiah Rogers, the rookie who has experience, as we've mentioned before, with returning punts and returning kicks, um, with where he played college. Forgive me, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, man. Uh, UMass. Yep. UMass, yes, and 101 yards to the house. And, and yes, that uh, that back that back step was <laughs> I've gone back and I've watched that a couple of times and it, I just I I thought oh man that we need more of that I mean yeah. down or not that, that is you know uh, and credit to you know Bubba Ventrone the Colts special teams coordinator because last year Cody if you recall 
not just in the kicking game, but but in in the return game as well, and in the return coverage uh, in terms of, of pinning teams inside their own twenty. Uh, they were not good last year. That was part of the issue, and they've cleaned things up. And there were a lot of fans that were you know calling for Ventrone to be fired, and he's just awful. What it what difference a year can make, a season can make, an off season rather. Uh, can make and and like I said, similar to you, I give I give major credit to Bubba Ventrone and this Colts special teams staff. They've done a tremendous job, and I think they are absolutely one of the league's best special teams units. Yeah, it, the Colts now that have a really dangerous duo in Isaiah Rogers and then also Naheem Hines returning punts. The Colts have some two two very explosive guys. So that's great to see from the special teams unit. But overall, kind of a, a frustrating game. Uh, I don't know about you, Andrew, but that game just kind of sucked the life out of me. It was such an emotional roller coaster. And after the game, I was like, I am just so just mentally exhausted from this game that I just ha- I couldn't even watch any more football. I was just so done with football up to that point. Uh, it's a frustrating, frustrating, frustrating loss, no doubt. But the good news is the Colts are still 3-2. and two. They still control their own fate. Um, they're still only a couple games back from the division lead. So, uh, you know, they still have a chance, even though it's been rough so far. Um, and last, and, and, you know, yesterday's performance was definitely one of the worst ones this year. But this team still has a lot of potential. They still have a lot of young talent. They were missing two of their best players. And so I think there still is a little bit of room for optimism. If the Colts can somehow get this passing offense, even middle of the pack, you know, even a little more efficient. I mean, that'll just do wonders for this offense. But, you know, that's a big if at this point, I think. Well, it's certainly a big if at this point. We don't really know what's to come moving forward, but it, but whatever needs to happen, it needs to happen quick. You're, you're five weeks in, and I know I've mentioned this multiple times already, and I think you've mentioned it as well. The competition doesn't get any easier. You're going up against some of the better teams in football. You have the Bengals at home, I believe, next week. Then you're going to buy. Then you have the Lions. And then after those two games, you're sort of battling this gauntlet of NFL teams that are possibly some of the best in the league right now. Uh, some of them are actually Green Bay being one of them, Baltimore. Uh, and so if you want to compete with teams like that, if you thought the Browns offense was hard to stop and the amount of points that they put up a game, which was 30 something, you've got to find a way to put up at least 27 or more, in my opinion, per game to be anywhere in the same zip code as some of these offenses in the NFL. Now, you know, obviously the Colts defense is going to have to continue to perform as well. But you, you can't turn the ball over. You can't make boneheaded mistakes. And the offense has got to find a way to help their defense out. That's that's the bottom line. Absolutely. Well, it'll be something to monitor going forward. Right now, the Colts, off of a loss to Cleveland, sit at 3-2. and two. Still got a few more games left, so certainly can turn it around here um, the next couple games. We'll see what happens before they get to their bye in two weeks. But that'll do it for this podcast, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Andrew, for helping me out. And as always, Go Colts.